what's going on, guys? This is Ricky. That is Nate with the Flintstone Football Podcast. Uh, we're back. We took a little bit of a hiatus after running a couple test episodes just to see how everything was going to work out, get everything kind of made with the social media and get our, our format down. And uh, now as training camp is upon us, we're ready to get rolling, and I cannot be more excited about it. Same. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so kind of going forward, we're going to get some episodes out pretty consistently through training camp and preseason. And then when the season starts, we're going to get an episode out um, once a week, kind of describing last week and looking forward to next week and then some big NFL news in general. Um, so that's going to be how things are going forward. Right now, uh, we're going to talk about training camp, which starts uh, – this is recorded on Wednesday, so this is going to the players arrive tomorrow um, for the first day of camp. And uh, I'm just going to break down quickly uh, some things I'm excited about and, Nate, some things you're excited about. Um, Nate, what's one of the things you're looking forward to to, to training camp that's flying a little under the radar? Because we've all heard the general stuff with you know Mitch Trubisky's development and Chuck Pagano taking over the defense. But what's, what do you think's being uh, underlooked? The kickers, probably. Psych. <laughs> Um, I'm actually excited about Duke Shelley. I think he's going to be another late round gem from Ryan Pace um, from yeah. minicamp. He was around the ball consistently. He kind of reminds me of Craven LeBlanc, to where he's not yeah. super tall. He's just very physical. Um, has a nose for the ball. I think that uh, Buster Screen's going to lose his job by the end of the year to him. That's a little bit of a hot take, but all right, yeah. Uh, I would like to see. I mean, if if Buster Screen loses his job, that just means that again, like you said, Ryan Pace hit on a late round pick again, and uh, I mean, cheap contracts, develop your own guys. That, that's what you want. So I hope you're right. Um, my biggest thing, what I'm most excited about, that's being overlooked, and uh, I think is just underrated in general, is Bilal Nichols' development. Um, he, he's getting a little bit of steam, kind of in like the Reddit community and stuff, but overall. I haven't heard a single national analyst talk about Bilal Nichols, but he really started to come into his own midway through the season. Um, I mean, the dude's first step is insane. He's just so quick off the snap. And I think as he has a full off season to know what it's like to be a pro now, instead of just like being overwhelmed like rookies are with, you know, rookie OTAs and mini camp and learning how to be a pro. He's done it once. He's been in that locker room for a year. <laughs> Um, you know, Jay Rogers and all those guys are still there to, to give him their tutelage. And um, I really think that he's going to be the full-time starter. I don't think they're going to see as much of a rotation with Roy Robertson Harris in there. I think he's just going to be dominant to the point where he's sucking up a lot of that time. And I think he's going to make a major impact on the defense. I agree. I loved watching him last year. He's exactly what they wanted Jonathan Bullard to be. Because, um, I mean, yep. in, in college, Jonathan Bullard was just – right off the snap, and then it just hasn't really translated to the yeah. NFL like they wanted to, but then below Nichols uh, is. And, I have a man crush. Yeah, I don't I remember which uh, pundit it was that was criticizing Ryan Pace's draft, and he was like, well, he just drafted Bilal Nichols because they both went to Delaware. Like, Right, that's, that's not how that works. That's not how that works at all. And no, now that guy's got to eat a lot of crow. Yeah, well, I feel like the entire draft class, a lot of Ryan Pace's picks, honestly, Tariq Cohen, uh, Bilal Nichols, a lot of these guys that have been uh, small school players that everyone, and it's, Tariq Cohen's a great one because it's like, oh, you drafted a dude who's like, what, four foot nine, 
120 pounds and uh, from a D3 school, like, you know, obviously he's not. But just in general, just the hate that Ryan Pace has gotten over the uh, the late round picks. Hopefully he's earned the respect enough for people to temper their reactions to that. But I, mean, I, doubt it. I still feel like not, but he should. Oh. I mean, he's got him every single year, late round pick that's been a hit. I agree. Yeah. This year What's might, the thing? might uh, be a couple. Yeah, it's looking like it could be. I think um, I think Stephen Denmark's going to be a safety, future strong safety. That's do just, you? That's just my prediction. You know what's All really right. weird about Stephen Denmark? Which, when I edit this video, I'm going to put a picture of them side by side. But his story is incredibly close to Richard Sherman, how they were both wide receivers turned into a DB. Okay. They're both, I did not know that. Yeah, they're both tall. They're both late-round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Richard Sherman was a six-round pick, I want to say. Um and they just didn't have a lot of time in DB, so they got drafted, and with the hope that they would progress to be what they are. And Richard wow. Sherman clearly is one of the best corners of the last ten or five years or so. Probably this era, he's yeah. definitely one of like the top five corners of this era for sure. So even yeah. with that, he actually looks like Richard Sherman. Like really? I, okay. yeah, I was going I mean, over I've this. I've seen him, but I haven't seen those two next to each other. Yeah, so. I was going over it with my friend, and then I went to show him a picture because he's like, I don't know who Stephen Denmark is, and right. this picture, I was like, Oh, are you related oh. to Richard Sherman? But That's yeah, I'm funny. gonna I'm gonna put a picture okay. of them too in this so that the yeah. watchers can see. It's crazy. Sounds good. Yeah, that's wild. But um, my, what's the number two thing? Yeah, my second one would be uh, I want to see how Allen Robinson progresses. I mean, towards the end of the year, we saw that he looked really good. That playoff game, he was outstanding. Best player on the field. Yep. And uh, Mitch Trubisky in the fourth. Mm, Allen Robinson. Okay. Mitch Trubisky was still good, Thank but you. I'm giving it to A-Rob. And yeah. He's only 25. It's crazy that he's been in the league as long as he has, and he's only 25. He's so a he's, six-year vet. He's still he's right a six-year there. six-year vet, dude. Yeah, he's still right there with the core. It's wild. Of the younger he's a six-year vet, and he's like a year older than Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, it's crazy. That's insane. I want to see yeah. how he does with the full off-season workout. Um, coming back from the injury, his body's got to be right now. I think he said he was at probably close to 100% as he's ever been. Yeah, I think I think with Allen Robinson, uh, at least from just like the eye test, I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of guys out there that have done some YouTube looks and some film study, but I really do think you could clearly see his path of like trusting his knee more, being more aggressive in his cuts, and just his overall production and being more of an explosive player. Probably like week eight to ten is where I think he took the turn for kind of being the Allen Robinson that was in Jacksonville, saving Blake Bortles' ass most of the time. Um, so, yeah, a full offseason of rapport with Trubisky on top of being physically where he was at. Huge. And then Matt Nagy even said in their presser indicator that uh, Allen Robinson was one of the best players he's ever coached. And, I mean, we've known we know he's coached some really good players. Yeah, that's high praise. I mean, that Kansas City team that he was on even right before he got the Bears gig has a lot of phenomenal players. And just through his career with the Eagles and all the Andy Reid teams, I mean, that's a lot of guys. That And, and Matt Nagy's never, in my experience, come across as a guy who's like says things for the media. Him, like Ryan Pace, has been very straightforward and transparent. So he's not going to go out of his way to say something like that unless it's truly something that he believes. 
Yeah, it's not just like normal coach talk. Like some stuff you can be like, oh, that's coach talk. But right. coach talk, they would just go, yeah, Allen Robinson, he's a heck of a player. I mean, he's, right. that's Matt Nagy, one of his like heck of a – that's one of his things he says. But yeah. uh, he went out of his way to praise him as a player on this team. And, and not just – if you listen to the way he said it, he wasn't even just talking about the on the field. A big part of that was just like how he shows up every day mm-hmm. and what he's like in the locker room, how he is in the meetings, always having the right answer when his, when his you know, number's called, for example. Um, and that's just you know being a, a mature leader of the team. Leader. That's exactly um, what it is. My going so segue hashtag good segues. Um, I think someone who takes a huge step as a leader on this defense, but in general has the opportunity to be an All Pro player that we're not talking about. Smith. Khalil Mack. Oh <laughs> yes, I don't know that dude, but I heard he's pretty good. No, um, I heard he steps over the line when Eddie Jackson goes for pick sixes. Brutal. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever live that down. But anyway, you actually said Roquan Smith. Yes, Roquan Smith. Um, I mean, I was listening to Matt Miller on his podcast, um, and he had described Roquan Smith as being one of the best linebacking prospects he's ever scouted, ever. And that's talking Luke Keekley, That's talking uh, Patrick Willis. I mean, we're talking some incredible linebackers. And Roquan Smith is remembered as one of the best he's ever scouted. So that's the potential he's working with. And this is a guy who led the team in tackles. And I think he took like, what, 14 snaps between the first two weeks? Um, we just watched, you know, Kwiatkowski get absolutely fucking melted across the middle for two weeks. Um, and then just his speed and athleticism, leading the team in tackles, instinctively getting to the ball. Um, the dude's a sure tackler. I, I didn't really see him miss many tackles once he got his feet underneath him. And I think that, you know, people still overlook the fact that with that holdout, he missed the entire offseason program. So he was really starting to learn the defense and really getting to, to how to be a pro in practices week one and two. So for me, Roquan Smith having a full offseason of OTAs and minicamp and starting training camp is going to be massive for him. I think he's going to take over as the leader in the middle there over Danny Trevathan. I think he's going to be a guy who, if he plays to his potential with the people around him, absolutely could be First team all pro, and that is I, that is, does not even come across as a hot take to me. I think that he is really on that developmental path, and it's not like he's going to have to do all the work. He's got a safety net with Eddie Jackson and HaHa Clinton Dix behind him, and he's got the best defensive line in football in front of him. Um, yeah, really excited to see what happens with that. Speaking of uh, good players, we got like three players that have de- defensive player of the year potential. We really That's do. crazy. Possibly four, but Akeem Hicks doesn't get as much love. That position. I mean, unless he's Aaron Donald, and he's not. I love Akeem Hicks. I think he's the probably top three of his position. You want to hear my hot take? What? I think Akeem Hicks is as good as Khalil Mack. It's a hot take. I'm gonna it's a hot take, and I think he's there. I think okay. Akeem Hicks okay. is, as, is as impactful in his position as Khalil Mack is as in his, he can rush the passer. He can. Is a different statement than as good. I agree that he is. I think they're on the same talent level. I think they both. Well, okay. I don't know, man. I think Khalil Mack. We didn't get the full version of last year. I think with him not having an off season and getting hurt when he did, and the type of injury he had that was very obviously nagging him for the rest of the year. I don't think we got. 
Khalil Mack at 100%. Because I think Khalil Mack at 100% is a Lawrence Taylor type first ballot Hall of Famer who is that's a, a hot take. Never seen again. That, well, that's the truth. I think he's on that level. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm excited to see because here's the thing that's scary is if he wasn't the 100% that we, I think he was, you know, if I'm right and he wasn't 100% and we get him at 100% this year on top of the development of the guys behind him. Boy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think from a disruptive level, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks are right there next to each other. Absolutely. I'm holding my head take. I'm cool, I'm cool with it. I mean, hey, it, I'm with it. I just, uh, I don't know. Another one of those would be Eddie Jackson. Yeah. He probably could have been Defensive Player of the Year. Um, if it was 2007? No. I mean, last year, if he didn't miss the two games, and, I mean, he would have had another defensive touchdown had Mack not went off sides. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, he'd have an argument. I think he'd be on the ballot. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't. I don't know if he's ever going to get defensive player of the year as I a safety. Know, that's what I meant by 2007. Is I don't know if a safety's ever going to win it. Right, again. like Troy Polamalu, the last one that won it. Probably. And I think there's their seasons were actually really similar, but the you know I just don't. He'd have to have. I think defensive player of the year is Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack for the next couple of years. They stay healthy. And yeah. Unless J.J. Watt comes back to be J.J. Watt again, which would be crazy. I mean, he still looks good. So, Yeah. But uh, Eddie Jackson. I think, Joey, I think Joey Bosa or Miles Garrett might be in that conversation too. But... I don't think so. I think Joey Bosa is not as good as advertised. I think he's good. I don't think he's top five. I'm really curious. I know this is embarrassing, but Miles Garrett on that defensive line with Olivier Vernon and um, – uh, Oh my goodness! I'm forgetting the other one, but they have a stacked defensive line. He's going to get less double teams. Um, I don't know. Miles Garrett's a freak, dude. But we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if Joey Bosa is even top five right now. Maybe number five. Because right. I know you got. Well, I mean, where would you put him though? Because he's a defensive end. Because he's not a linebacker anymore. No, I don't know. Anyway, irrelevant. Anyways, Eddie Jackson is another player. I want to see him repeat some success from last year. Um, I don't expect him to be as successful as last year every year. I think he can still get better, though. I, yeah. I mean, six interceptions, he probably could end of the year with seven or eight. Um, I think he can get better and not have as good of stats. Yeah, that too. Like, there's a regression to the mean, actually. The Bears aren't going to get 26 interceptions next year, more than likely. I mean, that's five times the NFL average. So I'm going to show them this so that they can show you. I would love to be wrong, but – more than likely, they're going to regress a little bit in the in the turnover department. So naturally, that would mean Eddie Jackson's numbers would probably take a dip with that as well. Yeah, um, I think how many defensive scores do you think he's going to have though? I want him to keep his pace so he can break Ed Reed's record in like the fourth year of his career because that'd be fucking nasty. I mean, he's already on pace to break Ed Reed's record and shatter it at yeah. his um, current. I would like to see another two. I'd be good I with think two. he can get two. I think he can at least get a pick six, um, possibly like two. Recovery. There's a fumble recovery maybe, but like he's gotten one in each season so far. But right. picks, pick sixes, just two back-to-back, had that one against the Cardinals that got mm-hmm. called back. That yeah. dude was 
He's, he's got a nose for the ball. And the thing that's crazy is like he gets a pick six, 26 yards off the line of scrimmage. And you're like, it's not like he broke a screen. It's not like he picked six to screen or, uh, you know, a slant route. The dude's, you know, getting the ball 30 yards off the line of scrimmage and, and making a punt return out of it, really. Well, that's what he did uh, in Alabama, too. So that's, what, right. that's what's good. Like, Dion used to return stuff so that when he got a pick, he knew how to weave in yep. and out of stuff. Yeah. My Absolutely. favorite pick was probably the Kirk Cousins one, pick six. Because my favorite thing about that, so they had two opportunities the whole game to take the lead. First one yep. was in the, they scored, I think, a, or kicked a field goal or something. But mm-hmm. that play where Eddie Jackson got the pick six, that was their first opportunity to take the lead since the beginning of the game. And Kirk just threw a pick six. Beautiful. Feels great. Feels great. Much love. Feels good. That's your, was, uh, uh, that's your 78th best player in the NFL. They named him today number 78 out of 100. Kirk Cousins. Well, it's it's a popularity contest because first first team All Pro and NFL or interceptions leader in the NFL, Kyle Fuller got what ninety fifth. So yeah, there's there's no way he's not better. Ninety four fucking players better than Kyle Fuller. Get the fuck out of here. He's way better than Kirk Cousin is at his job. Uh, yeah. What's uh What's your number three? That was my number three. It's your turn for number number three. Yeah. Um. So a little under the radar, but it's been talked about. The thing is, everything's been talked about, but. Instead of beating the horse with, you know, the kicker competition or Trubisky's progression, um, James Daniel and Cody Whitehurst switch. Um, it's it's not just the switch back to their natural position. Um, Cody Whitehurst was really struggling there for a while with the snaps. Um, there was a few fumbles, but in, I mean, I don't know how many times I can remember, but it was a few at least of Mitch Trubisky like jumping and saving a, fum- uh, a fumble from happening. Um, and I remember, especially in the playoff game, but through the year, just having a little bit of uneasiness, like, damn it, Cody, like, don't put this over his head. Don't put this at his feet. This is the fourth quarter. And so I'm really excited to, like, hopefully get a center who's going to alleviate some of that anxiety where it's just a little bit smoother with snap. He played center, obviously, for a longer period of time. So I don't think Cody Weiher ever played center. He went from left guard to left tackle in college. Um, and I think, again, like everyone talks about when it comes to the pundits, both of them playing at their national position will be better for the line overall. Um, but where the snap problems hopefully get better, I'm confident they will. I'm more nervous about James Daniel, James Daniels, you know, reading the defense and making the, the line adjustments. Um, he did it all through college. He, they drafted him in the second round because they thought that he was a great value and that he was the best player on the board. He's obviously talented. I think he's smart enough and a good enough player to do it. But like anything, I'm a little nervous for anyone in their first year, you know, being tasked with, sorry, bourbon, Lord, being tasked with making those adjustments at the line. You know, I just want him and him and Trubisky getting on the same page as quickly as possible is kind of an underrated part of training camp, but it's a crucial part, um, you know, for Thursday night against the pack. Those two need to be on the same page. Well, I think the original plan would have been for, James Daniels to be the center, but Matt Nagy coming in, learning a new offense. He's already had a comfortability with Cody. Um, I think I'm pretty sure they've said that that's why they didn't switch. And then yeah, that makes sense. Last year it totally makes sense that they they did. And then like you said, with like the pundits have said that they're at their natural positions. I think it's going to be good for Cody. He won't have to think about anything. He can just. They can just snap the ball, and he can just get his hands on someone. Because once his hands are on someone, it's done. 
Yeah. He doesn't have to think about anything. He can use his athleticism. He's old country boy throwing hay. Right. Got that, yeah, got that like farmer fish. boy strength. Yeah. Um, um, the, the only question I have with that I wanted to ask you is, so Cody Whitehair is like the obvious person to get an extension. Um, left guards make a lot more money than centers. So how do they negotiate that? You know what I mean? Because he's never played left guard in the NFL. But that's his position now. I mean, if so he's, how, does, how do they value that? You know, if he's wise and him, I, I mean, his, if his agent's good, I would say, hey, I don't want to talk extension yet. Let me play this year. We can talk extension after the year. Because if he balls out as a left guard, then he can get left guard money. Right now, we don't know how he is a left guard. So if they get right. an extension done, they're like, well, we know you're a decent center, so we're going to pay you top center money. But right. if I'm him, I'm going. No, let me play so I can get more money. Yeah, I for the Bears, I hope that they can find a middle ground and just extend them this year. Um, but from the player's perspective, I mean, I, I don't know if he comes across as a guy that wants to bet on himself like that. I feel like there's only two players, like two types of people in the NFL, the dudes who just want to secure that bag as quick as possible. And I don't blame them. I mean, I, right. as a, I can't put myself in a player's shoes. I usually take the player's side always, though. Uh, get the bag as quick as possible, or they do the bet on themselves uh, type thing. I don't know. I've, Cody's so quiet on like social media and his interviews, and he doesn't really have a profile off the field that I can tell. So I don't have a good vibe on that. Um, but I hope they do get an extension this year. I, I think do. he's a good dude. He was at Eddie Jackson's softball game. He was. It's a shame. You know who wasn't there? Mitchell Trubisky. Cancer, he's, he's big, he's cancer QB to the one, team. Man. Yeah, right. Get him, get him gone. He's QB one, bro. He was doing the, uh, he was doing all those inf- the commercials for the fucking like workout chip. No, he was at <laughs> camp. The rookies and the quarterback showed up a couple That's days right. ago. That's right. What was it? Uh, the uh, well, no, that charity event was months ago, bro. They supposed oh, to be. Yeah, you're right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the charity event was months ago. But, you're uh, months ago. Got him. What that workout chip that he's doing, whatever. What is it? Uh, he's been sponsored by this like protein snack that's like a potato chip. Uh, oh. Every interview, every interview he's done, he's talked about it. So I was just making a joke. He's out there. You got to bring yeah. it up every time. It's part of the yeah, deal, he's, dude. He's feeling the pump off the fucking lays, bro. <laughs> anyway, man. All right, I dude, can't well, wait for fun. football. I know. I'm glad we're back. Um, training camp tomorrow, so we'll see. Hopefully some goofy videos. Hopefully no one shows up in a Brinks truck, though I'm like super okay with Jalen Ramsey doing it. It's over the I think spot. it's too much. That's too much. I, mean, it's, I, it, it's I like Jalen Ramsey. Oh, I love Jalen. I just don't want that shit on my team, but I like I laughed on Twitter. Well, you that's I mean? that's what I saw someone on Reddit say it because they asked Ryan Pace, well, why don't you think the team's going to decline? Or why do you think the team's going to be as good as it was last year? And he just said, "The what is it? Like the culture? Yeah, culture. That's the word he used. Culture. And someone, no, I actually think it was on Twitter that someone said it. Because um, everyone's always like, oh, the Bears are going to be the new Jags. The Bears are going to be the next Jags. Instead of the Bears could be the next Rams. They did this, followed a similar path as well. But everyone wants to be negative all the time. But they said the difference is the Bears' culture. Like Ryan Pace said, the Bears would not have someone roll up in a Brinks truck. Because of right. the culture they have. That's a me first attitude, not a we first attitude. I do think Bojack, though, 
Bojack's going to be like that if he don't get his money. I don't think I he will. Eddie. I, I love think, Eddie. I think he's, he's going to get his money, money anyways because I don't think the Bears are oh, going to yeah. fuck around with it. Hell no. No, Ryan Pace isn't that dumb. He knows yeah. that's the... But I think by the time Eddie Jackson's ready for an extension to be uh, the second best player on that defense. I think he'll be the best. I love Khalil Mack. You froze. You know I froze? Right, you're back. Yeah. I love Khalil Mack, but a playmaking safety is always going to be my favorite position. Number one in your heart. Okay. Like, I'm with it. But, I mean, he can the safety can do what he can do because of Cleo Mack. So it's kind of like a, a 1A, 1B yeah. for me. For sure. Um, all right, man. Well, I'm glad we're back. This was really awesome. Training camp starts tomorrow. We're going to do another podcast here in a few days. Um, first pad practice is thir- or Sunday. So we'll give it a few days of padded practices. Hopefully, this is when the ACL epidemic starts in every team. For the Why would most you part, even like, say that? Because I want to just get it out of the way now. We're just like, go. Open. We have nothing. Well, dude, it's Get look. I can out say of my it face. Say it, but like, this is every year. There's some dumbass coach that pushes these players at 100 percent when they're just getting back. And I'm hoping that our guy. It sounds like from the press conferences they're going to approach this with a light feel. Shorter practices, later start times, more warm ups. So I think I think Matt Nagy is the type of dude that's like a like a McVeigh that just handles it better. And it's not old school, and it's like you haven't played football in six months. Go out there and do all your cuts at full one hundred percent speed, and then. Or he can so, be like a Lafleur and like tore my Achilles before my players could. <laughs> On that note, uh, yeah. So I'm Ricky Stone. That is your boy, Nate Flint. And uh, this was the Flintstone Football Podcast, and we will catch up with you guys here soon.